Hey, yo, lovelies, it is I, myself, Kid B, with the heart of thunder, with the main shooter, Monty Aries. You know who it is, it's the guys you love, it is the neighborhood. All right, here we go. Yeah, hey, it's all good in the neighborhood. Hey, break bread in the neighborhood. Hey, lunch days in the neighborhood. Shoot shots all day in the neighborhood. Yeah, hey, it's all good in the neighborhood. Hey, break bread in the neighborhood. Hey, lunch days in the neighborhood. Shoot shots all day in the neighborhood. Ayo, lovelies, it is I, myself, Kid V, with a heart of thunder. And of course, joining me is my co-host, my tag team partner, my brother. The main shooter, Monty Aries, you know what it is, boy. And we're here in a special location today, actually. Absolutely special location, as we invite another one of our neighbors onto That Neighborhood Podcast. What's, uh, what's his name? What's his name? I don't know. It depends on which alias you're going for today. That's very valid. That is valid. Who are you today? <laughs> well, I go by many names. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming in immediately with the darkness. We've got Bud Browning, who... A.K.A. Gallows, a.k.a. one half of Nightbreed, a.k.a. one half of the best tag team champions to ever walk in at Atlantic Pro Wrestling, a.k.a. my trainer, a.k.a. the owner of Next Gen Pro Wrestling Center, baby. A.k.a. Bud Gardner? Well, my legal name is Gardner okay. Michael Browning. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's your first name? My, my whole name, Gardner Michael Browning. Yeah, and I am the fifth Gardner Browning in my line of kings. Where, where did... Uh, Dude, what? where did Bud come from? Bud, yeah. Bud is the nickname <laughs> that was given to my grandfather, and then my dad, and me, and now my son, Little Bud. So now they're... No kidding. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> we learning things yeah. today. We two minutes in and we learning things. That's insane, yeah. man. To have All a right. name that's over 130 years old is pretty cool, but... People, that, people that, think it's weird, you know. Nah, I like that. Nah, I like that because I wanted to, like, when I, if ideally I wanted a son, right? I'm never going to have a son because yeah, he's I'm, done. I'm he's done. done now. I got two I got two girls. That's it. I was only going to have two kids. If God was going to give me a good son, he would have gave me a son with this one. And unfortunately, no. But I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to name my son Armani Aries Jr. Uh, and then I wanted him to name his first son Armani Aries and then their first son Armani and then just have the the Armani name and the Aries like lineage go down. Like but, but now I'm not going to have that because yeah. of the two girls. Hmm. See, Armani's big into uh, legacy. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's a driving force for him. Yeah, that's why you know, like I I I work so hard, and you see it firsthand. You being my trainer and shit, so it's mm-hmm. like that's the biggest, like that's one of the bigger uh, uh, motivations for me on that end of things when it comes to like why am I doing what I'm doing, right? And like why am I working so hard for doing what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Um, but enough about me. This is more about you. Like like what? Let's talk about. Next gen, right? The yeah, baby. We gotta we gotta plug that mm-hmm. while we still got the the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. So next gen pro wrestling center located in Auburn, New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh fifteen King Street, right? Right. Unit C one. C one. Um it's been open for how long now? Next gen's been open for a little over two years. Two years. Yeah. So what what inspired how, explain the process of of the day that you were like, all right, I'm gonna do this. The day that I decided to open it, like, that I wanted to run a wrestling school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it's always been something that I've wanted to do. Um, yeah, it's always been something I've wanted to do. But I decided to really do it about seven years ago. Mm. Um, That's planning right there. Yeah, about se- yeah, seven years ago. And I remember 
um, I was taking my son when he was three to a little kid karate school. And it was like a couple nights a week we'd go there. And I'm sitting there with all the parents. And it's a 30-minute class for little kids. It was called like mini masters or something. And uh, 30 minutes. And there's like 20 kids in there. Yeah. And each kid is $100. And I'm like, holy crap. It's like $2,000. like $2,000, right? And 30 then, minutes of Yeah. And then next time. door, there's a, another do, another room in the, in the dojo. And there's like 20 adults in there. And they're 150 bucks. And then as soon as we were done, another wave of 20 kids. I'm like, oh, my God. This guy is making a killing. And at that point, I was just working my day job and just, you know, so tired. And I'm like, there's got to be something. I want to open a business. Yeah. Right. I want to open a business. What do I know? And I'm like, well, the only the only two things that fill my brain are writing yeah. mm-hmm. and wrestling. And I was like, well, what if I combined those two things and made wrestling school like that, but made it so wrestling was accessible to everybody? Right. Like affordable. Like this yeah. karate, like, this, like a karate school. Right. You know? And I'm like, what would happen then? And so I started writing all these notes and everything. I'm like, wow, imagine that. You know, it's, it's different. You know, so I started drafting it out, writing it out, designing it, a business plan, all of that. And, you know, the years went on planning and everything. And, and then it's like, well, how do I get a ring? How do I get the money? Where would I put this thing? And then it was a couple of years worth of going to different locations, um, measuring for, you know, how could I fit a wrestling ring in this particular building? Yeah, right. that's not a, that's not an easy yeah. thing because no. you got to think three dimensions when it comes to that wrestling ring. Because yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, no, that'll fit. But yeah. then suddenly, oh wait, you know, once mm-hmm. we actually get in there, the, the roof ain't gonna be high enough to even do leapfrogs. Yeah. So then once I once I I got a ring, the ring was beat to shit, and I had to totally refinish it by hand. So I sanded it all by hand, repainted it by hand, everything, Damn. and then piece by piece, put it up in my yard just to make sure it worked. You know, had more problems with it anyway. And it was one building after another, after another, after another of just one constant disappointment. Like this building's great, and then at the last second. No, we can't move in. Like, like for example, mm-hmm. I had one location. Um, it was in the mills, and it was amazing. And then I realized, well, how the hell am I going to get the ring boards down these hallways? I can't. Mm. There's no way. There's Ooh. absolutely yeah, there's, zero it way. Like, it was like a very narrow hallway. Yeah, super narrow hallway, lots of lefts and rights. I'm like, these boards aren't getting in. There's no way. Right. So I had to say no. And then I had another place, and, they, and I was ready to sign. And they were like, oh, by the way, you realize there's no heat here. And I'm like, what the hell? Someone's like, got to heat the place. Right. Um, and it was uh, oh, and then oh, and then I moved. I was going to move in with um, a boxing gym, and I was ready to go. And then the woman said, "I'm not going to name her name," but she said, "Okay, um, just to be clear, you're going to be able to take the ring down at, at the end of every class, right?" Yeah, oh, right. No way. Like, Excuse me. Where am I going to put it? She goes, "Just put it underneath my boxing ring. Put up all the pieces under there." I'm like, "No, no, no." That's no. crazy. No, so that that didn't work, and it was like so disappointing. And then uh, Elm Street came around and we had to wait like six or eight months or 10 months whatever it was for them to renovate it and and then that that was okay but we outgrew that really fast yeah we really did that is very true really fast and the building and the ceilings were just too low um you all you guys the students got good really fast so it was i had these like big fish in a small pond you know like all these you guys just needed to fly needed to start getting you know hype. the fleas yeah. in the lidded glass jar yeah yeah. No? <laughs> yeah you told me that yeah um it's so true and i was like i gotta get out of here and then also to the other the other tenants in there were just dirt bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we've uh, as a school we've hit our our fair share of hiccups along the way. But I most definitely I, I feel like we've really moved and evolved with that over two two short but two very long years, like a lifetime yeah. ago. But at the same time, yeah, yeah. I've been it's been a learning thing for me, big time, big yeah. time. Mm. Um, but 
like walk me walk me through that process of like what 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 were the key things you were looking for when you sat down and made a business plan for the next gen? Like what were the key things that you had right written down that you were like you needed to make sure this these things got done first before anything else? One potential WWE star walks in day one and immediately takes <laughs> so, a liking. <laughs> um, so as far as like what do I have to have in place? Yeah, before yeah. Before I opened, or? yeah, like the whole like what you had to do either like get in the business name. Like what? How did you even come up with next gen? So so okay, that was um, that just kind of came to me. Okay, uh, that's my yeah. my writer brain. Okay, like titles, which are, we'll we'll, we'll yeah, dive we'll, into we'll that dive a into little that. bit, you know. Yeah, as well. Um, okay, so I just had a thought here, and I'm getting old, so I lost it. Um, <laughs> Mon- Monty okay. literally last night he came into my room, stared at me for like a solid two minutes as I'm getting ready for bed, and then he just looks at me, he's like. I forgot. And then he just walks away. Nice. Yeah. I was like, that happens a lot. You, you couldn't have just done that like in the hallway, in the mm. living room or, you know, cause I had the thought there when I walked in, right. I walked in and I, was, I knew what I was going to say. And then as soon as I saw him, I was like, damn, never mind. <laughs> two minutes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So your question, what did I know? What did I have to have in place <laughs> before anything else? Well, for me, um, I had to, I had to have the, the, the pricing model, right. I had to make this very mm. competitive, so I had to look around at, at other schools and not just other wrestling schools because at the time it was just New England Pro Wrestling. Yeah. So that really wasn't helpful to look at them because they're doing what they're doing and, and it works for them. So I had to look at other schools like boxing gyms, mm-hmm. MMA clubs. I had to look at um, gymnastics places and then see what their pricing models were like. And some boxing gyms are, are ridiculously expensive. You have like a gym membership and then you also pay for the coach's time. So you end, up, you end up paying oh. a lot, and it's by the hour. So you end up paying a lot of money. Wow. Um, yeah. So you can go to the gym and like punch on the punching bags and you know spar and things like that. But when it's time to meet with your coach, now you've blocked out time with him, and you're paying him extra. It's, it's crazy. Wow. MMA. It's just, MMA has all all kinds of different um, club fees and different business models. So. I went and I looked at karate schools. I'm like, what is the average for, for adult karate, basic like Shaolin Kempo or something mm-hmm. like that? And it was like, you know, $130 a month, $135. And I was like, hmm, that seemed, and, and all these people are doing it. I'm like, right. I'm like, okay, people are comfortable with that, you know? And then what are their hours? What, are, you know? So I had to establish that framework first. But the biggest thing that I had to do before I opened Next Gen was I had to get back to wrestling. Mm. I had to go. I had to get dialed in with the local independent scene again. So at this point, when you when you figured that out, how like disconnected were you? Um, I, I had been gone for a number of years. Okay, and um, you're never really disconnected. Mm-hmm. You know, you're that's always, true. You're always kind of around. You're, you know, you, you you keep tabs on people and you watch and stuff like that. But I had yeah. to, I had to go you know go back and say, can I even physically do this anymore? You know, um, and so I went back to wrestling. So what I did was, honestly, I took the whole idea of opening a wrestling school and I put it on the back burner. I was like, let me just put this away for now and let me go be a wrestler again. Let me make sure I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I had so much fun. I went back and reconnected with Amato. We did Nightbreed again. And our, it was our second run. Like, and it was so much fun. And we got to work with so many different people, some of the, some of the best people in New England. And... I was just having a blast. And honestly, my wife, she wasn't really ready to open the business anyway. So it was just all about wrestling. Just, you know, yeah. just yeah. bring, teaching my son and bringing him to shows. And then um, 2019, the government shutdown happened. I wasn't getting a paycheck for my day job because I worked for the government. 
And then I said, to, my wife was all upset, and I said to her, "Be nice to have that business to open, wouldn't it?" And she's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, let's do it." So then there that, we go. So that's what made me like hit the switch and say, "We got the business plan. We got everything else, and now it's just do it." Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Take yeah. That, take that risk. That's fire, dude. That, that That's real fire. Yeah. I don't do anything unless, you know, my family's on board, you know? Yeah. Makes sense. So. So we were talking about a little bit, you know, you're, you know, you got back into wrestling and you got the, you, your two specialities. Right. Yeah. Wrestling. Writing. And also writing. Now, yeah. of course, I've got one of your books. Karma City. Okay, I'm gonna get so ex- I'm gonna get so fired up when I talk about writing. I just <laughs> no, want to let you know it's like, good. Good. That, that, we we, yeah. we want this. Like, what I, we I, like. I, I love. I, I yeah. like. I like writing too. Yeah. I, not like in the sense of like writing story or mm-hmm. like books like you do, but like I mean, granted, I probably would if I tried. But um, like I, like music, you know, <laughs> like got, that that aspect yeah. of things. The same deal, like writing and, and poetry. If I just set my mind to something, I probably actually would be better. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my my whole life it's been writing. And first, creative writing, fiction writing, and then wrestling, and, the, and my whole life. So, um, it's it's almost like I'm more passionate. I, I know I am more passionate about fiction craft and writing than mm-hmm. I am about wrestling. Just because wrestling for me is like an extension of writing. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, and and one thing that the people here that might be listening in don't know is how passionate you are about wrestling. Uh, yeah, so when yeah. you say I'm more passionate about fictional writing. Like that's mind blowing because yeah, it's it's my life. Yeah, it really is. Um, so yeah. what 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 are some of the books you you've written? I have five books published um, over the, over the span of fifteen years of being professional. Um, um, one of them, okay, I'll just name, I'll name them. Yeah, go ahead, please name <laughs> yeah, drop. Some, one of them, one of them is not even available anymore. But um, I've written six novels. Five of them are published. Um, this, oh, actually, excuse me, seven novels. Five of them are published. One of them never never got on the editor's desk, and then one of them is in the hands of my managing editor right now, and supposed to be published next year. Nice. So, so that, yeah, I know. That, I know about that one. Okay. Yeah. So we've got um, we have Legend of Blackwater was the first book I wrote, and it was vampire fiction. And then we have uh, yeah, that was cool. And then we had um, Cerulean Isle, um, which is a um, high seas adventure like yes. pirates. And I remember you telling me about yeah, that. That was, that was cool. And then um, Everblade, which was a sword and sorcery kind of like Conan and word. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, and then we have um, Magic Moonstone, which was a job that I took for a toy company, and they were releasing a new like magical doll, and they wanted a story for it. So the novel, oh no kidding, yeah, the novel came out with the doll, and these were like, that's actually really cool. That's yeah, it's like a hundred and twenty dollar doll. Like this is high Whoa, end. That's crazy. High so how how do you score something like that? I saw the posting for the job, looking for a writer, and then I sent my resume in with a writing sample, and I and I beat out forty four other writers. Holy and, crap! Yeah, and, and then I went there and. You know, listen to their idea. They had a whole framework where they wanted the story to go. It was dog shit. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I flipped it around, and they, they and their, head, their heads fell off. They loved the new version, and then I wrote this story. And um, it was actually, if you can believe it, it's a six thousand dollar paycheck. Wow! Was, wow! How many? How, and how many pages you do? How many pages was that one? That was a thin little one. That one. Get the. F- that, yeah, <laughs> bro. I'm yeah. In the, we're in the wrong profession. But it took me like it took me like eight months, which is really fast, really fast for. Non- All right. For so non- now you want to get money? You want to get paid six thousand dollars for uh, eight months worth of work? Um, yes, because you know how long it takes to out. People sit on albums for years. Mm. 
All right, all right. The, but that was the biggest payday I ever got in writing. That's crazy. So, yeah. And then I, then I released. Then I worked for six six years straight on my best one, which came out a couple years back. It's called Karma City. It's a science thriller, and that got the folks in New York really excited. And that was like my big dive into the literary world. And mm-hmm. that's when I was fine. That was when I was finally like discovered, and mm. finally you know made it to the top. So yeah, we, we got Karma City at our place. Oh cool. yeah, and now it's sequels getting ready to come out um, in the new year. So when oh. are you going to let me drop the audio book on that? Yo, I mean, uh, we got the equipment. Uh, well, we got the, be, it's, it's, a, it's ebook also, um, so it's just a, it's a long process. Writing takes a long time, but oh no! So yeah. walk me through. All right, he's I got like mad walk me through. Now. Just walking. Nah, I got mad questions. I'm just gonna write a book. Walk me through how I do that. No, yeah. Uh, what was the out of all the books you've made? What is the longest book? Like, what was the longest time it took you to write a book? Oh, how long? Yeah. Karma City, six years. Yeah. Wow. And I actually had the whole book finished. And, I, and then when I went to New York, they were like, okay, we love this, but you have to rewrite it now. And I had to go back and rewrite the whole thing completely. Different. Why? Like, like the same story, but, but basically fix it. Fix it. Because the editing process. It, it, yeah. There's no, and I always say there's, there's no great writers, only great rewriters. Mm. And, and it's the, it's the artists that can take feedback and, and critique and change and kind of get better and better. Those are the ones that succeed. The ones artists that go, no, I like it the way it is. It's just fine. But they're never going to grow. And there's a lot of writers that do that. They write this manuscript. It's way too long. needs all kinds of editing. The characters are terrible. The, 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 the plot has holes. And then they're told that by professionals and they get all offended. And they act like, what do you know? You know, that's my art. I'm not changing it. Sounds like a lot of like green guys yeah. in the wrestling business. Mm, it's true. It's true. And, and the thing is, that, like, from the, like, I kind of dabbled in wanting to get into writing myself and hearing about, you know, my friend ended up uh, writing his own book and he's like, oh yeah, I'd love for you to read it. And I did. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of parts at the end that don't make sense yeah, yeah. because uh, of how the characters were developed at the beginning or right. things that didn't get resolved. Yeah. And, and, and I, I was after my experience in New York when um, they, they put me through a um, kind of like a college level course to, um, for novel writing. So that way I could take my novel, put my novel through the course and then it would be spit out on the other end, perfectly commercially viable and ready to be shopped mm-hmm. to major publishers. So it was a really cool way to kind of recreate it. But right. make it the way it should be, you know, and we always talk in pro wrestling about like wrestling matches, having a certain structure, right? Hitting mm. certain points in the wrestling match. Mm-hmm. That's, those are plot points. Those are sto- it's a storytelling formula. Yeah. Pro wrestling matches are formulaic. Every good book has a very strict formula to it. Mm-hmm. It has to be, has to hit certain plot points along the way. Has to, or will not work. The book's going to be, you know, people aren't going to understand it mm-hmm. um, or it won't translate to film very well. Yeah. So that's why, and that happens a lot too with like books and, and movies. Like you'll see, like like uh, the, my my opinion, the Hunger Game books co- correlate. Like the movies were a lot better than the books, in my opinion. Uh, I don't read books, you know, <laughs> okay. but like I was forced He's, to when I was a kid. He says as if he didn't just yell at me last night for not watching this movie. Well, no one's ever gonna hear it, so it never happened. Yeah, it never yeah. happened. All right. All right. Um, but. What was I saying? You, How the Hunger Games books were... The, know, oh, yeah. You're talking about like books and, and movies like never yeah. like correlate. Right. So, so there's, a, um, there's something called commercial fiction. And commercial fiction is a, a story, a book, that easily translates to film. Mm. And most of the movies that you see today are all, at some point, 
they were commercial fiction novels, take like The Martian, for example, mm-hmm. or just any of them. That just popped out because I have it over there. I looked at it on the <laughs> shelf. But anyway, there we go. The, I got the movie. I'm like, oh, it's exactly like the book. It's where you watch the movie and then you're like, holy crap, they followed the book exactly. Yeah, you know, right. Like commercial fiction. So, and that's kind of like what I do. I like to write commercial fiction. So okay. my books, when you read my books, you see the movie in your mind. Yeah. Okay. My, my stuff is very cinematic. It's very fast paced. Um, there's no no wasted scenes, just like in a wrestling match. No wasted movements, yep. right? Stuff like that. So, that's yeah. dope, man. That's yeah. dope. Now, now, what's the process for like publishing? How did how do you get into that? Yeah, um, that's 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 easy. It's, it's, it's easy to to, to to talk about. So, um, a writer finishes writing a story, and hopefully, they get it edited, and hopefully, they've rewritten their story again and again, and got it as perfect as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, they understand their genre. Like they they know. Um, okay, I'm a hor- let's say I'm a horror writer. I write horror stories. So, mm-hmm. so if I'm a horror writer, then I should be reading all kinds of horror books to understand my market. Okay. Where yeah. My, and where my story fits. Which makes sense. And, makes and sense. then I'm going to approach horror publishers. And I'm going to write a, a letter. It's called a query letter. I send that out telling him, here's what my book's about. Here's who I am. Here's my credentials. Here's what my book's about. And would you like to read it? So who are like some of like the top like publishers that like you would, you would go look for to try to obviously get published? Well, right now this, the publishing landscape has changed big time. So oh, yeah. they used to have, have what's called the big five, the big five publishing companies in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to name them, but the point is, is they were the ones that moved the world. They were the ones, they were the ones that took all the stories and, mm-hmm. you know, made all the movies, everything. But now you have so many independent presses and independent publishers and small publishers that are able to make tons of money and do a really good job. And, and a lot of writers are going that route too. Um, so a, a good writer will understand his market, understand where he belongs in the market, and then approach publishers who are appropriate for the type of story that he's writing. Yeah. And that way they'll say, okay, cool, we'll take you on and, and if it's a legitimate publishing company, they're not going to charge that writer any money. They're going to, okay, we'll edit it. We'll do everything in-house. Boom. You know? And then we'll take a, a cut of the profit when yeah. it comes in. Then we they basically right. There's they no money the forward. The it's writers just... don't get any money. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm not a full-time writer. Is, and that was one of the things that it was my dream to be a full-time writer. And I didn't fail my dream. My dream failed me. You know, mm-hmm. and Meeting your heroes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When you realize that it's a small little clicky little business and it's the same people buying and selling and trading to the same people and you realize that the, 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 the authors don't get any money. Um, if my book is selling for $15, I'm getting $1.50 for every book sold. Ooh. Wow. Getting 10%? That's ass. 10 to 15% royalties. And that's, that's industry standard, right? And there. that's like, damn, that would piss me off. How about this one? Wow. If I was if I was a lucky one and I got a, a, a nice book deal from a pub, big publishing company, for, and they said, okay, Mr. Browning, yeah, the story's great. We'd like to give you a cash advance, give you an advance. Here's, let's say, here's $50,000. Mm-hmm. Sweet, right? That's all you get. That's all you get until they make their money back. And then when they do make their money back, you're back to getting that $1.50. You know, freaking, you know uh, what business does that crap a lot? The music business. Mm. Because nobody wants to pay artists money nobody wants to pay our artists whether they're musicians writers whatever painters artists don't get paid now that being said what about uh options about self-publishing okay so now you're hitting the nerve so (laughs) i knew andrew warned me about this and i was like we're going full on 
Yeah. Okay, you. Someone told you to mention that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yo, absolutely. But he's red right now. Yeah, he is. Oh, he is. Man. <laughs> Shit. Okay, so self-publishing is one of the worst things that a writer can do. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst thing that you can do. All right. It, I wish they saw your facial reaction. Okay. Once we once uh, hey yo, don't, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe. You know, download the this so we can make enough money so we can actually get some make video cameras video in here too. <laughs> so so the, the the writers who self publish. No, okay, self publishing is good for things like cookbooks or things like children's books. Okay. Right, basic fun little hobby type books. Hobby okay, type books. That's fine. But a, but a career minded uh, or a career aspiring writer should never self-publish because that's you basically throwing in the towel and you're saying i can't get any professionals to give me the time of day my you know everybody in, in new york or wherever has told me my writing is not good mm-hmm. that i need to rewrite it and you're saying and that and it's that writer saying i don't want to rewrite my stuff i think my stuff is it's just fine i'm a narcissist i have an ego and i'm going to self-publish this and it, without it being edited without rewriting it and then it, you're taking all this year's worth of work that you've done and you're putting it on the shelf with the rest of the of the idiots and, and they're garbage that hasn't been mm. edited and has story pl- and plot holes and everything else. Um, so uh, honestly, a writer like me, I will never, ever, ever self-publish ever or put any of my books on the same goddamn shelf as anybody that's self-published because I don't know. It's just that bad. No, and I, I have to assume because you have so much venom. <laughs> coming out of you right now yeah, yeah have you have you like i've known a lot of self-published authors too they're like friends and yeah they, and they go that route and i get so disappointed do, then, do you do you ever like read that stuff afterwards like they've self-edited they self-published and then like you start reading it and like page one you're just like what is this yes 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 absolutely and i'm having that experience right now actually and with a book a couple a couple of books i'm reading right now by an author who's um an expert in his field mm-hmm. and for some reason maybe he's just, just in a rush didn't want to send it to publishers in New York or send it oh boy. or get a literary agent to represent them. Just wanted to say, you know what? I don't need to deal with that. I'm, I don't need that process. I'm right. going to fast track this by going on Amazon and Amazon has a press and they'll just zippity doo dah me a book and without it being edited, without it being the typos and the grammar and everything. I'm reading it and I'm like, oh my God, I have to put it down. But like I'm so into the content that I'm willing to just – I'm willing to just, you know, fucking ignore it. So right. I'm, you're you're going to power through it. But, gonna, like, but there is something there that just it, disconnects you. Yeah. When I know that this guy's selling, like, he's probably already sold 50,000 copies. Wow. Like, he's, making, he's making more money than I am off this. But, it, but it's never been edited at all. It, the, you see no words stuck together. You see, like, misspellings. You see all this crap. Or double words or incomplete sentences or a page is completely cut off because the formatting's bad. And I'm like, oh, my God. He didn't even look at it. Right. You know? Yeah. My stuff's squeaky clean and polished, and it's been rewritten 900 times, and it's... And there it is on, on my bookshelf. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it just self-publishing drives me fucking nuts. And you know what the sad, sad part, too, is I've known a lot of amazing writers who they've gotten their rejections, and they've let those rejections beat them down, and they give up. And mm. then they self-publish, and I'm like, why? Why did you do that? Yeah. Your stuff is so good. Better than, better than me. And, and look what you've done. You, ugh. Yeah, it's that much of a pet peeve for you. It is. I, yeah. I hate it. So so if I were to equate this in kind of a, a wrestling sense, self-publishing would be like, yeah, I haven't trained enough. I haven't, you know, guys are telling me to go find a reputable school. Mm, I'm going to start my own promotion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> or, start, or start my own school. Right. Start oh, my own school yeah, slash promotion. Right. Yeah. And, the, and we've had, you know, we've had promoters like that locally, you know, that they were such heaters in the locker room or they were just such, you know, they were fucking marks for their, their own shit. And 
nobody wanted to book them, so they were like, fine, I'll start my own promotion and get myself the belt. Ooh. Yeah, see that a lot. Ooh, see yeah. that a lot. See that a lot. And when you lot, see that, lot. you stay away. Because that's mm-hmm. that's a self publishing equivalent. A hundred, a hundred percent. And you don't want to put your work with theirs. No. So I I, I kind of want to stay on the topic of like the books um, because I anything. want to see I want I want to get into your mind like creatively like what what is the creative process for you so what is your favorite book that you've written Karma, Karma City. City and like and, that, it's, and it's sequel one. and it's sequel it's sequel now is my favorite okay really and that one's not out yet right not out, no. okay it's called, it's called the strange highway so walk me through the process of like what you do when it comes to all right i'm writing the story how do you come up with the characters how do you come up with their names how are you coming up with the plots um and when do you feel like the ending by the time you get to the ending of the story mm-hmm. is the ending we might be taking a deep psychological dive right now because i know a little bit about this story okay so um some writers who aren't disciplined they do what's called pantsing, and they, they write their stories by, by the seat of their pants. They don't know where the story's going. They just sit down and start writing it, and they're writing it on the fly. Mm. And they don't know what oh. lefts and rights it's going to make. They don't know what kind of characters they're going to have, but they have a general idea of the, the story, and they just write it. And then it ends up being really long and then has all these issues and has to be rewritten, and it's a big mess. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I think that's, uh, like I said, those are undisciplined. To me, those are undisciplined writers. Those are writers that don't know how to um, structure a story or outline their thoughts and their creativity. Mm-hmm. So I will generally be struck by an idea. Um, like, for example, with Karma City, I have, <laughs> there's a coworker who's absolutely fucking, fucking crazy. And <laughs> I know. And you look at him and I looked at him and I'm like, oh, my God. And in my mind, I thought... I bet he has something like controlling his brain that's making him nuts. And then, and then I started thinking, imagine a whole city of him. And then I was like, boom, there's a story idea. Dex. Mm. What if there was... This was Dex, right? <laughs> no, not Dex. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, he knows who I'm talking about. But, but anyway, that led my brain to start going into overdrive. Like, wow, what if there was a, a pandemic or some type of like mind-altering you know, sickness that was that would render humanity like slowly make you crazy. And what if it did it on a like a clinical way, like hit you in stages as as you mm. go sicker and sicker and sicker? So my mind just starts going over the, the the general plot. Like this is what the story's about, and I'm like, nice. And I write that down. Here's what it's about. And then the next step is setting. Hmm. Okay. And I try telling my wrestling students this too. You can draw a stick figure on a piece of paper. And you can give them a hat and a sword and you can give them a cape and you can give them cool boots and funny you know, fangs or whatever you want to do with your stick figure to make them really cool. But he's, but he's still existing nowhere. And it isn't until you put the ground under him and buildings behind him and volcanoes and whatever your trees, you start putting a world behind your stick figure. It isn't until you do that, that that stick figure is alive. So the setting is the, most, is the second most important thing. The, it's, they call that the incredible importance of setting. Your setting has to be more alive than your character's. Just like, yeah. our, just like our world today. So, yeah. so when you guys are doing wrestling promos, think about where, can, where am I going to put my character? Mm-hmm. Where are we when we're cutting this promo? Are we in a setting that's alive? That's, where, that's why, like, that's why I, I approach promos the way that I do now is because yeah. of that. These because about, of you. These two are about to go on a creative uh, just, just landslide right nah, now. Yeah, that, that, like, that resonated with me really well. So now like, every time I do decide to shoot promos or if I'm with one of the students like mm-hmm. trying to shoot promos like we did one with Dale on uh, Sunday, right. uh, 
I, I'm I'm envisioning more than just what you're saying. I'm envisioning right. the setting, like yeah. what's happening in the background. What are you doing leading up to what you're saying? And, and, I'll, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll talk about how that, like we'll, we'll take one of our students and I'm sure maybe, hopefully he'll listen to it. You know, um, Mr. Stevens of Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. Love him. And I love his creativity. And he's got this great character. So imagine Mr. Stevens, this biker, this leader of a biker gang, right? Imagine him cutting a promo at ringside, Okay lights are dim whatever maybe he has you know cigar or something and he's cutting a promo yeah that's gonna come out cool but let's redo that promo at a billiard let's put him mm. in a pool hall mm, you right know, with the yeah and the bottles and the smoky haze and yeah. some babes behind him and then he's looking at, you know looking at the camera and, and as you're watching him you're like wow he's in a real place he's real yeah right? we believe him now. but at the same time if we threw him at a Chuck E. cheese's it doesn't fit. No, it doesn't yeah. fit. And now suddenly you're like, this is hokey. You, you don't even want to really? down. No. Right. So that's, that. anyway, that's the set. setting is so important. So mm-hmm. come up with the general plot. What's the story about? Um, where is it? What's my setting? And then you start getting into the number one thing. Who is my villain? Mm. You don't even worry about the heroes. So you start with the villain first? Like first, always. Okay. You don't have a story unless you have a villain. Yeah. You don't. You have no story without a villain. You got a guy going through his daily nine to five if you don't got a villain. You have no wrestling match without a heel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. So you got to come up with a villain, and you better come up with one that is unique, that is um, that when they come onto the page, when the reader reads this villain, every time the villain appears, whether it's a movie or a book, every time the reader comes on, the reader reads the villain, and that page crackles with energy. That the, or, or it just it, It's so intense. Mm-hmm. Your heart starts to pound when, mm-hmm. when that villain arrives. That villain needs to be just the most important part of your story. Okay, hundred percent, hundred percent. So yeah. how how do you get into without so not giving up the the book, spoiling that? How about we spoil the, well, the I'll first talk one? About it. I don't care. It's not spoilers. So how do you how do you get into how did you come up with with the villain? Um, well, in, in Karma City, it's a science thriller. So I was looking at scientists. So I wanted to take the whole mad scientist thing and kind of turn it on its head. And instead of it being like a mad scientist, let's think of a geneticist. Let's let's put him in the real world. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a geneticist. And yeah, he's mad. But why? Well, because he gets sick. He gets infected by the things that he's working with. You know what I mean? Mm. So, it, you know, it makes him crazy. Yeah. And in his genius, he's still a genius. Um but now he's a crazy fucking genius. So now he's able to think more diabolically and think, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I get so, so yeah. So, so he's in, in genius. They can take shortcuts where, Oh, well, when I say, logically this is the least yes, when I say, evil. Yeah. When, yeah. When I say genius, I mean like, he's just like really good. Right. Geneticist. Like, yeah. You know, top one of the top minds, that type of thing. Yeah. So, but now you make him crazy and, and then all that, all that, you know, intellect is now, um, uninhibited. It's just it's it's uncontrolled. Not yeah. not controlled by moral foundation. Exactly. Ooh, that's good. He you like that, didn't you? And a yeah. good that was, yeah. that was really well said by me. And a good villain, a, a great villain, is the one who thinks that what they're doing is right. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I could feel that. One hundred percent. So that how do you come up? So. The so, hero aspect. He's yeah. just gonna. Yeah. After so, this, money's just gonna write Karma City all over again. So when you look at when you look at um, doctors today, right? They always say like there's a problem with like big pharma and medicine and all that, and mm-hmm. they say, well, what are we trying to do here? Are we trying to you know cure the sickness or, or cure the symptoms? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and when you have one doctor who says, I believe I can cure people, but a lot more are gonna die before I can get there. But but I'm, I'm close. 
Stay mm. with me. You know, just do what I say. Hang in there. Stay with me. We're on the edge. We can do this. You know, we need to come together. Rah, rah, there's hope. Okay. And it's like the shining light. Mm. Meanwhile, the other guy's saying, hey, people are suffering. And I got medicine that's going to make them feel better. And isn't that what life is all about? Let's get back to living our lives. Let's feel better. Mm. And he's making sick people into addicts. Yeah. Addicts that he can control. Right. right. 100%. So, you know. Well, Bud's wife just walked in. Yeah. Hey. So, Shout out, Devin. Hey, Shout out, Dev. First lady of next gen. Absolutely. So, um, but do you see how, like, those two medical powers in the story, um, one is really good saying, look, um, we can fix the world. Yeah. It's just going to take more work. Right. You know? Right. And it just takes hope. But the other one's saying, well, I can fix you now and get you feeling better. So who's evil? Who's bad? You know, who, who do you root for? Well, most people who are suffering are going to go with the medicine to feel better. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, as a, as a if parent. I've got two years to live, I'm going to live them good. Yeah. Or as a parent, you're like, I don't want my kid to feel pain anymore. Right. You make them feel better. You know, if I get addicted to this stuff, oh, well, I'll just keep taking more of it so I can go off my life. Yeah. You know? So anyway, it's kind of neat. You know, that's that is actually really neat. Yeah. That's that's so interesting, man. We have and our heroes. the book. Yeah, that I just don't. I'm not gonna read. And, and so and so uh, and so the heroes that we root for are people that are caught in the middle. Yeah, and they're excuse me. They've uncovered. They've uncovered that you know things aren't what they seem. That there is a darker. You know, oh, you know, they find the truths that have been hidden. That type of thing. So, you know, no, nah, yeah, a hundred percent. I think I feel like that creative process is very very similar to like the creative process of like how I approach music mm-hmm. and how I approach songs. Mm-hmm. So like I kind of like all right, what is the topic of the song? Right? What is the melody, the 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 vibe that I'm trying to portray here? The feeling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then write sitting down and writing it out right. and like making sure what I'm saying makes sense, making sure that I'm giving off that same feel, that same vibe. Mm-hmm. Um I I just find it interesting because it's like as a creative, I never run into like other creatives that really are like passionate about their crafts. You know what I'm saying? Like I run into a lot of like I call them partial creatives where it's like, yeah, I'm passionate about this. And then they try it for a little bit. They get into a little bit. And then that is what it is. Right. Now they drop what they want to drop and then call it a day. Yeah. They, they did what they wanted to do. They got a feel for it. And, oh, look, I made something. Right. Moving on. Maybe didn't go into the, the history, the research, the absolute, yeah. uh, the hard work. Mm-hmm. that's all around it besides that yeah because i would have never like thought that like i i would have thought like writing a story maybe it would have been easier coming up with the hero rather than the villain mm. and then like even just like the process of that like i would have not thought all right setting you know what i'm saying and like yeah obviously the the plot ideally yes but like all that other stuff is just so intriguing to me because it's like you have to you have to really sit there they, because it could change, right? Has it has it ever changed? Has there ever been a character that you've written out that, all right, he's this way or she's this way right now, and then by the time you finish the story, they're completely different from well, what you even yeah. like imagined. Yeah, and, and and that's the goal. Yeah, as it should be. That that's the goal. You know, you don't want your character being the same person throughout because in real life we we are always changed by the things that happen to us every day. Yeah. Right. So. Same thing in your, in a book. In you know, your characters are going through their lives and shit's happening to them. You know, they have bad luck. They are getting hurt. You know, and every little moment of success and every little failure and every heartbreak and it's changing who they are. So then, by the end of the story, you've got this. You have a character who's truly evolved. 
You're, mm. You know, let's look at Jurassic Park. You've seen that movie, right? The original yeah. Jurassic Park. Look We're at going the with Jurassic Park is the, the the old one, nineteen ninety four, whatever it was. Right? Okay, yeah, that's cool. It's cool. The I just OG uh, you know I, I just example. thought there were better examples that we could use. No, but this is a this is a good one. Okay, okay, and for the sake of the listeners, everybody's seen Jurassic Park, so. Doctor, Doctor, yeah. Well, you know, not me. Uh, now you're hitting another button. Somebody told you, didn't they? <laughs> no, nah, yeah. You're about, to, you're about to get smacked <laughs> by both of us. I'm gonna fucking, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> the last time I'm on this podcast. <laughs> anyway, back to Jurassic Park. So, Doctor Alan Grant, that mm. character, okay, who saves the kids, right? He's in the look at his character in the beginning. He fucking hates kids, mm-hmm. hates them, doesn't want them at all, right? But then all these things happen, and it falls to him to keep them safe and get them safely, you know, home and or out of the park. And the experiences that he has along the way with these kids change him. Mm-hmm. So then in the end, it's just nothing but love that he feels. Mm-hmm. He looks across the helicopter, the woman he loves, and like, yeah, we can, we can do this. Right. You know, he's changed. It's a perfect example. And both kids are falling asleep on him mm-hmm. and everything. Yep. And, and, and imagine, wouldn't it be dumb if that change didn't happen? In that movie, right. if he didn't yeah. continue to hate kids throughout the entire movie, we'd be like, "Oh, who's, who was this guy?" Yeah, right? Just, like, what was the? They point? get in the helicopter and he just tosses him to the other yeah. side. He's yeah. just like, "I've been with you guys for this whole time." But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's 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 fire, man. That's fire. Like, um, so you, yeah. So. I I, I kind of want to like segue through here, so I'm going to press this button and hopefully, kid. Let's see if actually kid knows if he can read my mind and kind of figure out where I'm trying to segue to. So I'm going to press this button. We'll be right back. <laughs> Obviously, we were about to talk about time. No, but no. if you want to get in, that, no, no, boy, no, no, no. Look, it, look, we've got twenty minutes to hold an argument, man, man. We could, and, we could have as long until he has to go back in his coffin. Okay, right. We got that's that's another forty-five minutes. But that being said, listen, you know, we want to give him, we we, we want to give him some some relax. You want to talk about time? No, I'll talk about anything you want to talk no. about. All right, I'm, I'm gonna. To I'm, my guesstimate was, was you, you wanted to talk about the the overlap between. Writing creativity and, and wrestling? No, no. Okay. No. Three X structure. I wanted to I kinda wanted to, I kinda wanted to get into the rebuilding the neighborhood uh, segment. Oh. Right? Because we didn't ask him to come up with the six. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't ask we him. could just shoot him at him. We just gonna shoot him at him? Yeah. Ooh, main shooter click, clack, bang. Click click clack bang. You know, you remember when Brr. you remember when I asked you Brr. we ever need sound effects added onto Ooh. here? <laughs> You've never once brought up like gunshots. Yeah. Yeah. That might be something yeah. that we could add in. Nah. I got to listen to you go. Brrr. Nah. <laughs> but, but do you see the life I have to live now? This uh, explains a lot. These, young, <laughs> these youngins over here. You only know the word youngin because of me. Nah, you know. I never heard you say youngin. I don't use it. Exactly. Yeah. So you use it because of me. I use it because of you in this this very roundabout context. It's, uh, you're just still not going to hear me be like, I'm finna. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. He's copping. He's copping. Do you even know what that means? Um, Sort of. I, yeah. I, I, exactly. Yeah. He's just making up words. What, what do you think copping means? Bullshit. Yeah. Lying. Is, yeah, lying, basically. Lying. Yeah. yeah, he's lying. Okay. <laughs> All right, back. So, so what I was saying, right? So, so we so want to do this. Now we're like, just going to hit them with game. the neighbors. Yeah, we want to do this little game. So, All ideally, right. what we should have done as real like good hosts is like prepare you ahead of time and be like, come up with six uh, characters from any uh, dimension, whatever. Any any media of genre. It could be wrestling. It could be video games. Whatever. Right. Um, and ideally. We're going to build your neighborhood. Yeah, we're going to build your neighborhood. And you would we would name these people and whether or not you would think they would be a good neighbor 
or a bad neighbor. All right. Right. So for the sake of. I'll just do three. You do three. Yeah. So how about you hit the three first? Oh, of course, because someone needs his creative mind to start warming up. Like a diesel engine. I will, I will smack the. All right. I guess I'm going first then. Okay. No, no, right. no, 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 no. I got it. I got one. The nature boy himself, Ric Flair. Wow. You're going to try, try to mute me in him. the middle of that? Do it. The nature boy himself, <laughs> Ric Flair. Good neighbor, bad neighbor. I think he'd be a bad neighbor. I think he would be a bad neighbor. Why? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't really like having neighbors. I wish my, I wish I didn't have any neighbors at all. So, <laughs> this is going to be a very small neighborhood. Yeah. Well, you know, I think he'd be obnoxious, be partying all the time. I bet his yard would be a mess. Mm. He'd be coming and going at all hours. I, don't, I think he'd have absolutely no respect for anybody living near him. And um, I'd probably be the guy calling the cops all the time. But Bud's going to be the head of the I HOA like, in this I like neighborhood. Quiet. I like my quiet when I'm at home, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, as much as we all love Rick Blair. Neighborhood watch leader right here, you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I wouldn't want to live next door to him. Just, sure. just posted outside of Rick Flair's house in <laughs> right. this little neighborhood. Right, in his coffin, just peeking. <laughs> peeking in the twin. <laughs> the coffin <laughs> the <mobile>. nights. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Dracula, good neighbor or bad neighbor? Ooh. Mm, well, I, now you, I love I love Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I think he'd be a great neighbor, to be honest with you. I mean, he he keeps the same hours I do, mm-hmm. so you know we could at least have tea together, relax, and suck talk, blood together, right? You know, right? You know, and he we could share books, and um, God, his library is huge. So, oh, I wouldn't doubt I mean, that. Yeah, me either. Think of the conversations you can have with somebody who's lived forever. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, you claim to live forever. Yeah, well, two hundred and forty-one years is pretty good. I thought it was like 2,400. No, that's way too long. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. I'm going to go off of that. Vlad the Impaler. Uh, Listen, I would... I would love to live in Romania under his rule because it was a very peaceful place. You know, you could could leave a bag of money in the middle of the road. Nobody would touch it for fear of what might happen to them. So that's why there's still a statue... uh, in honor of him to this day. So you would consider him a good neighbor? A great neighbor, yeah. Great neighbor. Absolutely. Great ruler. Great ruler. You know? HOA president right Man, there. Probably keep, okay. my, keep my, my kid away from him, but, you know. Yeah. yeah shit. Okay, you know, okay. A nice peaceful neighborhood with him lording over everybody, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All you, right. You like that one? That was a historical piece right there. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'm trying to think of one. Are you familiar with, like, anime? A little bit. I could tell you what anime that I know. I know what animes you know. Voltron, uh, Full Metal Alchemist, um, Dragon Ooh. Ball Z. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. My guy knows I, Full Metal Alchemist. I know, right? I, I like Full Metal Alchemist. That just got to pop out of the neighborhood. Um. Okay. Uh, Piccolo, good okay. neighbor, bad neighbor. Never liked him. I think he'd be a bad neighbor. Um, a little too broody for me. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I like. I like his attitude. I think I'd have a hard time connecting with him. Yeah. No, not me. I feel like me and him are like the same person. 100%. The same person. 100%. Okay. Hit your last one. Oh, I I wasn't even thinking about this I haven't watched uh, Dragon Ball Z since um, probably 2001, so I might be a little uh, (laughs) disconnected. I I don't think you are. No, no, you're not. You're not. uh, I'm only talking about the 2001 Piccolo. Oh, all right. (laughs) So, so you know what? We're going to go off of, uh, you know, I'm going to stay with the kind of the writing bits. Uh, Dr. Frankenstein. Mm. Good neighbor, bad neighbor. Oh, man. Okay, so I have that novel in my office here on my shelf. Beautiful. Uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein's. And um, 
that guy got himself into a heap of shit like, mm. by creating that monster. It just it just got out of control, and he was a huge you know dick to his family by just you know isolating himself and everything. Um, I think he'd be a bad neighbor. Bad neighbor. I, I really, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you when you end up creating a monster that kind of runs a little rampant on the town, yeah. I think the end of that like didn't it end in Antarctica or the Arctic Circle or something like that. I, I, I honestly I forget, um, but I know that all the monster wanted was somebody to love. You're right. <laughs> you know, don't, don't we, we all? Don't we all? <laughs> don't we all? So you never really thought about it as action, right? You know. Uh, all right, my last one, um, Stephen King. Ooh, man, um, that's, that's a that was an interesting uh, curveball right there. Curveball nicely, right nicely there, baby. Man, I think he'd be an awesome neighbor, man. I. <laughs> As a, as no, he's the, one of the greatest writers to ever live. One, of, I'd say the second best horror writer I mean, ever. Yeah, modern day, modern day. Yeah, you know, second best. Easy. Well, is there is there is there any uh, uh, tops of his that you love? I um, I really enjoyed um, it, the mm. original novel. It. Okay, that was cool. It was really fucking messed up. Man. Yeah, yeah classic. What did you think about the Dark Tower? Um, I, I couldn't get through that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's an. I, I think I feel like that's an audiobook one. Yeah, you know where you almost have to listen mm-hmm. to it to to get yeah. through it. What What about? I uh, liked I liked from a Buick Eight. I liked Bag of Bones. Um, it was a handful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What about uh, Langoliers? His short stories are a lot of fun. What about Room Forty? Room Forty. Yeah. Room Forty was really good. Didn't read it. You didn't yeah. read that one. Mm-mm. Room Forty is nuts. <laughs> was that a novel? Did Stephen King write that one? <laughs> yep. Stephen King wrote Room 40's Nuts. What are you talking about? Are you making... I had to butt up the joke now. Yes. Oh, that's not nice. Room 40's Nuts. That's, Yo, uh, we got hit with that in PA so much. So bad. So bad. I was like, I had to bring that over here. Like, it sounds like a horror novel. Yeah, it does, right? So, like a whole so this guy... Or something, a hotel slasher or something. We're, so we're in PA, and it's historic Hamburg House Field. Yep. You know, you've got oh, paint buckets hanging from the ceiling where they would try to see if Andre would end up hitting his head on him. Okay. Vince McMahon Sr. Yeah, the lights. Set are, up the lights yeah. that are above the ring. Okay, cool. This is really cool. So then there's, we're in the, the locker room and then one of the guys is like, oh, man, you know, all this cool stuff, you know, and then there's, you know, then there's room 40. And I was like, what's that? He, and Ronnie goes, what's room 40? And then the guy just looks at him, room 40's nuts. <laughs> I walk right into that and like, so easily. Monty just looks at me with this look of shock like, I can't believe that just okay. happened to me. I, nah, but I, I ain't even going to lie, though. The PA locker rooms. Oh, my God. They, they're everything like the podcast stories you hear, <laughs> like from like the older folks. They're, 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 they were talking like, hey, so you think over in the baby locker room, they're talking about ways to uh, improve their shine in USA and things like that. Meanwhile, we're over there checking like, CTE, CTE. Oh <laughs> Dude, it's, it's, it, it was, that was something else, man. Yeah, that, that was, was something else, 100%. <laughs> All right, as we uh, wind down here now, um, we played. We played the neighborhood game. Played the neighborhood game. Uh, we're coming up on that fifty-minute mark here. Um, it it kind of goes by quick. When it does. You, when, a lot of fun. Yeah, that's, and that's the biggest up. problem is you have a lot of fun. It goes by too quick, and then you're just like, ah, yeah, we got we time should, for yeah. another one, right? right, right. Um, uh, any plugins you want to put in here? Uh, where can uh, people find your books? Oh, well, they're available on Amazon.com. Um, G.M. Browning is, is the author name for some of them, and then Gardner Browning is most recent. Uh, so Amazon.com's got everybody's books. You can also go to BarnesandNobles.com. 
Um, you can have them ordered to the store. You can have them ordered on Amazon right to your door. Everything is what's called print on demand. So the minute mm. you order it, it gets printed and sent to you. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Have you have you actually uh, won any awards for any of your books? Yep, I won a literary award in two thousand and might have been two thousand and twelve. I think it was for um, Reader's Choice Award for um, young adult literature. It's pretty cool. Oh. That was my high seas adventure, and I have that in a frame on my in my office. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we're gonna we also gonna plug Next Gen yeah. Pro Wrestling Center. Yeah. So you, I'm, I'm gonna let you do the the honors on that one. Yeah, okay. Well, first off, go to the website, all right, www.nextgenwrestling.com. And that's got our current schedule. It's got our pricing. Um, it's got the map where you can find us, a little bio about myself and some pictures of the gym. Um, it's got everything you need on that website. Just got contact us. It goes right to my phone. I'll get in touch with you right away. Um, we are at uh, 15 King Street in Auburn, and we are right on the Manchester line. So we are pretty much still in Manchester. Yeah, you yeah. Hmm. We're right there, right off the Lake Massabesic traffic circle. And if uh, they're interested, what, what what is the average price rate? Well, if you want to be a wrestler, it's 150 bucks a month, and that is the cheapest pro wrestling school ever. Right over here in New England. Proud. I don't know why he's doing that. <laughs> Just doing ad-libs because it's fire. <laughs> 150 bucks a month to wrestle. You want to be a manager, that's that's going to be 75 If you want to be a referee, it's only 100 I base my pricing off of how much ring time you get. And, right. and on top of that, like they're stuck into a, a year of the contract, right? Oh, yeah. No, we don't do contracts because that's rotten. What? Yeah, no. What? Yeah, no, word. no contracts. It's month to month. And you know what? I'm not even going to take uh, you know a bunch of money when you walk in. I'm going to say, hey, let's do a free trial first and make sure you didn't like this. Exactly. You know? Uh, unless you're me when I walked in, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm signing up. But it was like, <laughs> but it was like dude, you, ha- you haven't even started. Yeah, you're just shoving money into Bud's wallet. I'm like, nah, nah, I walked in. I was like, I knew it. Nah, this is the place. This is yeah. the place. All right. Um. So, yeah, the you plugged in your, your books. You plugged mm-hmm. in the Next Gen. You want to yeah. plug in your socials? Well, you definitely find us Next Gen Wrestling Center on Facebook. We're very active over there. A lot of people contact me through there. Um, I have an Instagram as well, Next Gen Wrestling Center. That one, not as active. Um, the Facebook seems to be what people really yeah. you know, get on. So yeah. you can reach out there, send a message. Again, it goes right to my phone. I'll get in touch with you right away. And I really love when people just show up. So just come to the wrestling school, hang out with us, check out what we do, find out what makes us special. Um, I think you're going to fall in love with the atmosphere. Yeah, most definitely. That's Absolutely. what that's what a lot of the students say. You know, that's what I that's why I fell in love with it. it was definitely the atmosphere, man. Until I showed up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out concussed that time. Yeah, I know the first day that I was there, <laughs> and then like everybody. That's a whole another story for another day, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, drop your plugs, kid. I thought I dropped my plugs last because I also did. Just the drop outro. your plugs. Pro Res Kid V on just about every major media TikTok. It's Red underscore Head underscore J. And of course, you can always catch Monty Aries at Main Shooter Aries on TikTok, Main Shooter Aries on Instagram, The Main Shooter on Facebook, and Aries underscore Monty on the X. You know what it is. It has been Kid V, mm-hmm. Monty Aries, Bud Browning. And this has been another episode of the Neighborhood Podcast, baby. Stays in the neighborhood, shoot shots all day in the neighborhood. Kid V with that love and energy. Money trying to go and rock the beat. We bring hope with the positivity. Loving our neighborhoods are who we always keep. Shine bright, stay hype. We up all day, all night. We fight if I say.